Uh, hey, everybody, and welcome to um, episode 115 of the Big Black Comics <laughs> Podcast. Yes. Off yeah. to a good start. Got it. Uh, my name is Kevin. Wham, I'm Nick. Our, uh, I'm Jared. Our headphones don't sound good, do they? They sound okay. Oh, now they're cracked. There we go. That's better. Oh, hey. Hello, everybody. Hey, everybody. Uh, yeah, so we're here doing this thing. We weren't here last week because we were playing a board game, and uh, we're going to review that board game tonight in our what? new section called Time to Play the Game. Is it called uh, a board game? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Card There's game? no board, right? Well, whatever. A game. Who cares? A game. Um, yeah, so that's about it. What uh, what have you guys been doing? Internet. How do you do podcasts? I've been mostly watching World Cup. Uh, World Cup. Almost every game. Um, and I almost lost my mind yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> because you're a big Greece supporter. Yep, and uh, Greece made it into the second round for the first time ever. Hey, congratulations, Greece. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Um, the world had <laughs> something yeah. happen. Yeah, if you haven't been watching the World Cup, sorry. Yep, uh, and if you're listening to this a long time from now, well, it's okay. Or if you're recording it to watch all the games at once. If you're going you to binge watch the World Cup. Oh, yeah. Well, that's what Jared is doing. He's like, don't tell us what happened in the World Cup today. No, I'm like watching all of them on replay on the ESPN thing. It's ridiculous. So I'm staying I will up tell like you two in the today, morning. France. Um, don't tell me. I hate you. I'm just kidding. I've been, uh, what have I been doing? I've been watching a lot of World Cup. I've been rearranging the store. Again. I've been uh, playing a lot of video games. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of Mario Kart. A lot of Fire Emblem. A lot of Tomodachi life, Tomodachi life, just a just video games. Tomagachi, yeah. Um, I did not watch the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles trailer. I oh, I did. I refuse. I should. It was great. Was it? I heard yeah. it was better than the first one. <laughs> yeah, no. So not yeah. as terrible. It's still as the terrible. First one. Yeah. Uh, there's more Shredder in it. He looks like a Megatron. <laughs> I've been reading a lot of comics. That's good. I was on issue three of Batman Eternal, and now I'm caught up on issue twelve. That's wow, great. Yeah. that was good. It's really good. Yeah. Issue eleven, especially, was pretty mm-hmm. awesome. But we'll talk to about that later in our section called Careless Whispers, where we spoil everything. Um, <laughs> pretty much. What else? Uh, uh, yeah, Kofi Kingston came into the store on Monday. <laughs> that was pretty crazy. Oh yeah, Pat Oswalt came into uh, the Vienna store. Just celebrities everywhere. Who's Kofi Kingston? I don't know. He's a uh, wrestler from the WWE. Entertainment. <laughs> WW Entertainment. Uh, how was that? It was like some sort of Make-A-Wish Foundation thing or something Yeah, it was like, like a charity thing, and this guy won, you know, um, like a go sh- an experience or thing. It was like go shopping with Kofi Co- Kingston. And he was like super into comics, so they were here like for like an hour talking about comics and stuff. It was pretty cool. That's awesome. It was really weird. Yeah. I was like, is this happening? Very surreal. <laughs> it was like as soon as I opened in the morning, I was like, what is going on? <laughs> like this too early. Well, that's a thing. Yeah, that was cool. Here, I got this. There you go. What's that? That's Kofi Kingston's theme song. I don't know. You gotta give me context. Yeah, I played when he walked in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he's got a, he had a dude with, behind him with a boombox. <laughs> um, so, Jared, what have you been doing? Uh, I, I feel like none of us have been doing anything. No, I've been watching some way too much World Cup. No, that's not right. I have not been watching enough World Cup because it's great. I've been watching it. We're just trying to make this the most comprehensive podcast in the universe. Yeah. All subjects. I think, I mean, we can cut the beginning section short this time because we have a lot of stuff to talk about. That's true. Yeah, Yeah, man. So uh, we don't need to talk about ourselves. Nobody cares about us. Jeepers, creepers. People are here to hear about comics. If they cared about us, they should write in and ask. Oh, do you have the news on your computer? I don't have to give Nick my phone. I've got the news. Okay. Well, let's do some news then. (laughs) 
This just did Ultimate FM Cancel <laughs> Breaking Breaking news uh, Yeah so yeah and Ultimate FF has canceled as of issue six. Um, Joshua Hill Fieldcoff is not writing issue six. Yeah, apparently he's, he's sick or something. Sick. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, but yeah, it's canceled. Uh, it's uh, not too surprising. It, it was. Uh, it definitely. It was okay. The, it, the art was really bad. Um, the the redesigns for the costumes were pretty pretty atrocious. And I just I don't think it was a team anybody was interested in. I mean, the creative team was cool. Yeah, but FF has always been like the least popular part of the Ultimate Universe just has never done very well so i thought they thought hey we'll do this new team what was it machine man and yeah uh, machine man is actually uh danny catch <laughs> wait is that true yeah wow really he was a ghost rider and then he ghost died riding and machine came man. back inside of machine man or something i don't know okay but uh yeah uh falcon's costume when that was so terrible and um, like a do rag on. So yeah, I don't know. It just like, even that even New Ultimates was kind of a disappointing launch. Like it's actually kind of a good book. It's all right, but it's just you know people aren't excited about it. I don't think people have been excited about the Ultimate line outside of um, Miles Spider-Man. Morales yeah. for a long the most time. Amazing character. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. So they just need to change it to the Miles Morales universe. Uh, and another piece of news: uh, we uh, participated in a Kickstarter for uh, Little Nemo Dream Another Dream, which is a a uh, giant Little Nemo book with every single amazing artist you could possibly think of. I don't, yeah. ha- I don't have that on my news thing here. You don't? Did Jared just add first, that in? It's the first thing on the news. No. <laughs> oh, yeah, there it is. <laughs> I, skipped, I skipped ahead. No. Um, but, yeah. Jared, yeah, it's uh, printed at the same size as the Sunday Press editions of the old Little Nemo. So it's the actual size of the newspaper broadsheets. So it's like 16 inches by 22, something ridiculous. It's massive. And they got everyone awesome in it. Yeah, it's got crazy amounts of people. Yeah, and they uh, broke their Kickstarter goal of $50,000 in two days. Jeez, um, Louise. Yep. Crazy. But we'll be getting them. So if you don't want to order it yourself, come to Big Planet Comics. There and in the most important piece of news, um, <laughs> Tarantino, Reginald Hudlin, and Matt Wagner are teaming up for a Django Zorro crossover comic. <laughs> wow. So um, uh, that was like the most what? Yeah, News really? of the week. I was just, uh, huh? So there was a Django Unchained comic that was from the original screenplay, right? Right, yes. And Reginald Hudlin did the adaptation. I think so, yeah. 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 And Reginald Hudlin is the guy that wrote and directed the House Party movies. Yeah, oh, he, really? Doesn't he run BT? Does he? Yeah, he did at some point. Oh, okay. Weird. He also wrote the uh, the um, Birth of a Nation comic, the one that uh, Kyle Baker drew. Right. That was yeah, pretty awesome. That was great. And uh, yeah, he's, he did. He wrote Black Panther for a little while. Oh, Fantastic yeah. Four. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Matt Wagner's. You know, he's done a ton of Zorro stuff recently. So uh, I don't know. So I like weird. Yeah. Yeah. The Django comic was all right. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's weird that. Yeah. It's I, just weird to. Yeah. It weird, it's, <laughs> it's weird for Zorro to exist together. in that universe. Where yeah. like, <laughs> yeah, Zoro's so lighthearted compared to Django. Yeah, because Django's so like messed up and super violent and just yeah, yeah it, it's a strange thing. I'm, I'll, I mean, I'm curious. I'm gonna. I, was, I didn't see Django, but like this needs some swashbuckling. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, I, I'll read it. I guess I, I'm interested. Yeah, yep. it, well, it's so it's so weird that it, it interests me. And one yeah. of the bigger things, I've, I, I just pretty much just copied off uh, Bleeding Cool. Because it's a little <laughs> so hard to explain. I'm going to give this out to, <laughs> to Bleeding Cool. Cause, uh, so DC is doing this kind of uh, this thing that's been dubbed uh, Band-Aid. <laughs> um, it's not what it's actually called. But um, nah. during the period where DC is moving, they're going to kind of have to do some stuff to fill in oh, some why? spot. Cause everybody's, well, at first everybody was moving at the same time. Now they're moving in shifts. Um, so they're doing some kind of... Event thing that's uh, here. It says like uh, they interviewed someone. One of the creators is talking about it. It was like anonymous, and he said that um, 
So uh, I'm just going to read it. It says, there still seems to be confusion among editorial and thus creators as to what the title and plot actually are, and it has changed several times. Current plot might be comparable to Marvel's Contents of Champions slash Secret Wars. Um, as of now, is intended to be in continuity, and it features uh, New 52 characters interacting with pre-New 52 characters. What? Yeah. So apparently the... So the old pre-52 universe still exists somewhere, although how this is possible without invalidating Flashpoint is not clear. Yeah. Uh, also, he says uh, it's a he. It doesn't say who, but uh, as of right now, has nothing to do with the anti-minor. He says many in, <laughs> many in editorial were surprised when Jeff Johns brought the character back at the end of uh, Forever Evil. Um, some didn't know about it till the issue was printed. This is not the first time they've been surprised by a plot point in his books. Oh, wow. So I guess Jeff Johns does this whatever he wants, and like people are like, wait, what? I, that's similar to sort of what was happening with Grant Morrison on yeah. the um, Batman stuff for a while. Yeah, that was weird, though, at the end of Forever Evil. I guess we can talk about that because you just did. But uh, the, the anti-monitor was just kind of showed up, and then what? That was it. He was like, I'm he, here. It was really weird. He I exist like, in this universe. No, he was in the other universe, in the in the criminal yeah, crime yeah. society universe and he was like uh you need to eat more planets to fight dark dark side or something i was like what <laughs> all right yeah so it's a weird thing um i guess we didn't write down the other thing the dc thing about royalties oh yeah that's uh, uh, i didn't know about thing. that one. Oh yeah yeah so uh dc just extended their royalties oh, right, right. uh the, you know they've had a royalties prob- uh, program for a long time but if i'm remembering correctly before it didn't apply to digital first comics and it didn't apply to colorers and letterists and now they've sort of extended royalties or they had weird ways of calculating it not counting how many digital comics they sold or only based on the cover price or something like that and they also said they're going to be putting credits for colorist on the front of books too now yeah which is so a nice move yeah so well uh, good move by dc yeah it's always good to hear when they do something good yeah i saw <laughs> that too. some tag somewhere of like you know it's been however many days since dc did something dumb and it was 55 days hey well there you go i don't yeah. know if i agree with that but sure yeah I mean, when did uh, when did they announce that Brian Azzarello was leaving Wonder Woman? <laughs> oh, boy. Because uh, that's not great. Uh, yeah. Um, is that it for news? That is all the news. The Band-Aid thing was the most interesting, I think, there. Yeah, it's weird. Um, I, I didn't even think about the fact that <clears throat> when DC moves, moves offices... It's gonna be it's gonna be crazy. That I well, initially they understand. Were, initially they were all moving at the same time, and there would just be a month where no DC comics yeah, came out, which wow. is how to kill your company. Like there's no modern reason why there should be any disruption in the flow of DC comics. There's right. none. Yeah. There, there's none. Well, I think they're up against the wall with deadlines and stuff. As it is, you know, yeah. they don't have a cushion. I don't think. Right, right. But so. even if they don't, it's like there is nothing that requires a person to be in a certain spot to do their job. Like, right. It's like, like they do it on it's a not like or... you're FedExing stuff, a physical copy. It's not like you have to have all the people in the same room talking to each other. It's, it's the internet. And do man. even all the artists. Yeah, but a move takes man hours and people are moving their homes and stuff. And, yeah. like, you know, you, you that takes time. So, yeah, but, um, like, you know, spread it out over six it, months. But if you work for, like, like, DC, do you have to live near their offices? Pretty much. I mean, not, for the editorial team, yeah. that's basically they're all in New York. So, yeah. So that's, that's so like if you're deal. writing or drawing it, you don't like, right. That's right. that's why I'm like I don't understand why this is happening. It's right. just like send two editors this week, send two next week. It's, it's because the editors at DC write the books at DC. No, no, that so we might actually get good comics from that too. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's a weird thing, and DC's also they're losing a lot of people when that happens. Yeah, so yeah, that's that's true. So they might be understaffed to the point where this will be a bigger problem. That yeah, sounded like so it's going to be a weird thing. Uh, them moving to LA is a weird thing. Yeah, uh, you know, it's like 
they want to be out there for the movie stuff, but why is that? Like the movie stuff doesn't hasn't had anything to do with the comic stuff, right. yeah. as far as I can tell. Like there's they just no, want to have everything in one place, I guess. Yeah, which would be great if there's something like a goal for it. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Um, yeah, yeah, it should be interesting. So that's it for news, I guess. I got some news. Okay, what's up? One year ago, we started teaming up with Retrofit Comics. Oh, it's one year anniversary. Yep. New Planet Retrofit. Yep. Awesome. You guys have some stuff coming out soon? Yeah, we got two secret projects. Uh, Josh Bear's next book, Theft. Well, it's not a secret anymore. I know. Spoilers. Is that a secret? Uh, no. Yeah, it was announced a day or two ago. But yeah, it's coming out next in a couple weeks. And uh, we're working on our SPX graphic novel debut. Should be pretty cool. Awesome. Cool. I know what it is. I'm going to spoil it. Go for it. Uh, uh, really? Sure. It's a graphic novel by James Kolchaka. Yep. Didn't we talk about <laughs> that? I thought we talked about that already. Yeah, no. I like spoiling it over and over. <laughs> I'm excited. Um, yeah, so that's cool. How's that been? Uh, I know somebody already good. asked that like a week ago on the podcast, so uh, we know. So uh, that's cool. It's the best. And and Jared, uh, you know, we got any signings or anything coming up? Uh, yeah, we do. If you uh, listen to this a day before it comes out, David Lasky is signing at our Bethesda store. Yep, signing uh, a few hours ago. Uh, don't we have an event on July 19th? On July 19th. Well, July 4th, oh, we yeah. have our sale. Yeah, all we'll get, yeah, we should start with that one. So July 4th, uh, which is a Friday this year, is our 28th anniversary. So we're celebrating with our usual 4th of July sale where most everything will be 20% off. So if you want to grab a stack of awesome trades, uh, that's the best time to do it. Plus, it's a madhouse and everyone gets to hang out. And it's really fun. And then... Is there going to be booze involved? I don't know. I'm out. No. <laughs> Uh, let's see what else we got. Kevin, you got something coming up soon? Yeah. On July 19th, we've got, uh, Tom King, who's going to be, who's currently the co-writer of Nightwing and is going to be co-writing the, uh, Grayson book with Tim Seeley. Nice. And he's going to be at our, uh, DC and Vienna stores. So I think it's noon to two Vienna and three, three to five DC. I think so. Yep. So, uh, yeah, we just set that up. So we're, we're, uh, that's why we're, we're a little muddy on edge. the details. <laughs> uh, and yeah, is that, is that all we got going on right now? And then, uh, a few weeks after that, a Saturday, August 9th is the DC zine fest, which will be at St. Stephen's church in, uh, Northwest DC from 11 to five. And we'll be selling all the stuff we publish with the retrofit, which we just mentioned. And then September's SPX. Yeah, man. Jeez. I need yeah. to put that on our list. Um, crazy. Yeah. So yeah. we got some stuff coming up. And yeah, this podcast is a mess, you guys. <laughs> All right, let's do. move on. Yeah, we have we have like new sections and stuff. I'm so confused. Let's just let's answer some questions. Let's do it. Yeah. All okay. Right. All right. Our first question comes from some guy. Oh my god. <laughs> it's Kevin scrolls Pat. through his phone. I think it's from. I think it's from Pat. Okay, this question is from Pat. Pat says. All right, Pat Sajak. Yeah, Pat. No, uh, Pat. I don't know. People don't like it when we get their last name. So it's, it's just from creepy. Pat. Uh, I recently discovered that Spider-Man Bagman was a story where the Fantastic Four helps Spider-Man shed his symbiote costume. And he puts on Fantastic Four tights and weighs, wears a paper bag on his head to hide his identity. That is true. One of the characters I play in Marvel Puzzle Quest is Spider-Man Bagman. Nice. Um, as ridiculous as this sounds, I feel it cannot be unique. Can you think of any other time where a superhero has worn a paper bag on their head to hide their identity? Um, on a side yeah. note. Uh, Bagman will be appearing in Spider-Verse. He will? Really? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, which is weird because he's just Peter Parker with a bag on his head, right? Yeah. Well, they're all <laughs> is, Peter Parker. That is a version of spider Oh, not necessarily. But he's like Some not. different spider people. Uh, one of them is like Peter Parker or something. Or Peter Porker. That's not Peter, Peter Parker. Parker. Peter Parker. Peter Parkour. <laughs> That'd be amazing. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> oh my god, that's really funny to me. Uh, so um, we do have a list of people. I did some research. None of them are really superheroes. That was my problem. But uh, we do have a list of comic characters that wear bags on their heads, courtesy of Jared. Oh boy. Yeah, this took sort of thing. The guy uh, from uh, Brand X, right? Not brand. Not brand Eck. Oh man, I think no. He wore a pot on his head. Oh, he did wear a pot. That kind of counts. Close enough. And I can't remember what his name was. Eck. But Jared, why don't you talk about the other people? All right, so I had to do some uh, stretching out here because I could not find any other superheroes who did this. Although I'm sure there probably were some. So if anybody out there has uh, superheroes who wore Spider-Man paper bags on their heads, (laughs) uh, let us know. Uh, so the ones I got from comic books are Vanity Smurf in uh, an issue of the Smurfs. It does wear a paper bag over his head. I haven't read that one. I don't nice. know why. Uh, a more recent one, Todd, the ugliest kid on Earth, wears a paper bag over his true, head true. the whole time. Probably because he's the ugliest kid on Earth, which leads to shenanigans when other people start wearing paper bags. Uh, going into the East, we've got uh, Bobo, 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 Bobo. Yep, bo, 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 uh, bo, has Zetsubukun, who is also known as Sad Sack, wears a paper sack over his head. Also a guy in that who has poop for a head and or ice cream. Yes. <laughs> uh, but the first one that I thought of, which I was most amused by, was from Preacher Arseface, wears a paper bag over his head at one point, and it's terrible. And just to uh, bring it all back around, we, the character from Not Brand Act is called Forbush Man. That's right. And he wears... Uh, um, a bucket on. His uh, head. He wears a uh, yeah a, a pot on his head. Is it a, is it a pot? Isn't, isn't there a person named like Ma Ma Kettle? Ma Kettle. <laughs> no, who's the person from like Red Tornado that wears like a like a pan on her head or something? No, I have no. Oh idea. yeah, it is. It's it's Ma something. Yeah, it's not Ma Kettle though. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So that's what is we she know from about Red Tornado. I think so. That's what we know about Buckethead. Or paper bag. Ma Hunkle. There's Ma Hunkle. There's bucket yeah, there's Buckethead from uh, from Guns N' Roses yeah. <laughs> and from his solo career. Yeah. Uh, oh, man. Yeah. Uh, but he wears a KFC bucket episode. on his head. This is, no, this is just the worst episode of this podcast <laughs> No, ever. we've had some other ones. I'm so tired. Bad. I rearranged the whole store today. That's the thing Again, you did it yesterday, yeah. too. We we moved so many comics Madness. around. Um, so, yeah, so I'm just sleepy. Yeah, Somebody yeah. else run this podcast. The bag head. All right. Head uh, let's see. No, I'll do it. Um, oh, man. <laughs> we got more? We got more questions. No, I wanted to finish out Pat's. Yeah, we, we more bag headed ones? No. He says, P.S., keep the new spoiler section. It was a lot of fun. Did you say that his thing about our podcast? We're the most comprehensive comics podcast on the interwebs. Yeah. Thanks, yeah. Pat. It's true. I didn't say that at the beginning, but it's true. It's good to um, point out over and over. And, uh, hey, we are keeping the new spoiler section. It is now called Careless Whispers. <laughs> it will be at the end of the episode. Uh, all right. We got a question from Classic Summers. Is that a person? Uh, it's from the Twitterverse. So, presumably, some Twitter Mark bot Summers? or person. At Classic Materia with a K. Um, that is M-A-K-T. No. It's Classic with a K. At the end. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> moving on. All right. The question is $5 comics. Why? Uh, seen some other discussion today about how digital comics, the ones also in print, uh, continue to match price points with print, even with less overhead, would make for a great discussion considering the price hikes happening in comics. Was that 140 characters? There are multiple tweets. So it is, yeah. Why, why are comics $5? And then especially... Why are digital comics five dollars? Oh, I was looking at a thing. Someone did this really cool, uh, like tracking of how comics have changed in price. Print comics have changed in price since the '30s, and because a lot of it was interesting of like just you know inflation and where the big jumps in uh, comic prices were. And there were several points where comics were cheaper than you think they were because inflation had gone up so much and they held for a long time. And other times when they jumped up a lot, 
uh, but they weren't actually that bad. And well, then, like late eighties was cheaper than you would think it would be, right? Exactly. But then early nineties was way, way more, more expensive. It was yeah. like the price it is now. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then there's also stuff that like the early ones when it was a ten cent, you know, all in color for a dime. The classic earliest days of the comics. A lot of them were sixty four pages or eighty pages long, and so rather than raising the price they started dropping the page count so i mean most comics these days are 20 pages if you're lucky of actual comics content. the dc ones i think are 20 pages standard marvel's yeah. still 22. 21 22 yeah um but uh yeah so i think i think the reason is basically in the 90s there was a huge boom and comic prices kept going up higher and higher well, a lot of it was and was the image thing because they came in with new paper and new printing that wasn't processes. just image though that was right, that know, started but, at marvel but that was like the cutting edge thing and image started getting away with it that they're like this is our awesome looking books and it costs more to do this so let's raise the price a ridiculous amount yeah so the prices then got up to you know dollar 95 and some of the special die cut covers and stuff were like 2.99 or more yeah. and uh i think as they realized that people would pay those prices uh you can't really drop your prices because right. there's just not enough reason to if people are buying stuff. Well, the other problem about dropping prices is that back when the the bigger model was going through 7-Elevens and, like, mom-and-pop stores or whatever, there's a certain point where it's it's so little money. Like, say it was a dollar comic. Is a store making 50 cents, 30 cents on it? It's just, like, yeah. why would we bother carrying – if we sell 100 of these – we could carry like one pack of soda and make more money in a day, right. you know. So it's just like, well, that's why Seven Elevens don't carry comics anymore. Exactly. Uh, also, another thing, uh, most of the actually most of the four ninety nine comics are mostly good deals because those are the ones that are like usually double size. So right. So I getting... think that is why the five dollar thing is is um, that now there are usually annuals right. or longer issues or. What are some other ones that have done five? I mean, you won't typically find a five dollar comics that's under forty eight pages. Like example, right. yeah, like for example, like Spider Man number one, Amazing Spider Man number one was five ninety nine, but yeah. it was like well pages, over like hundred. No, it was over. Oh, it was hundred. Yeah. Good grief! And um, you know, that's like five, you know, five comics worth of comics for the price of one and a half. You know? And uh, the reason there's parity between print comics and digital comics is pretty simple. It's because. Um, as as well as digital comics are doing right now, uh, pub- comic publishers, especially the big ones, their bread and butter is still the direct market, which is us. And comic if you stores. if you undercut the direct market, you will go out of business. You will, yeah. The, the stores, the, will, the stores the will go out of business, destroyed, and then DC and Marvel will go out of business. Yeah. So they keep prices the same as much as possible yeah. because of that. Because so, they still make a lot of money from yeah. comic stores. In ten or twenty years, if you're selling a huge amount of digital. Then we may see some more stuff where they start dropping the prices. And you, to be you see, closer. you see a lot of sales yep. now on digital comics as well. But that's and also they're often doing sales on older stuff where they've already made their money back from print and digital, and then they're just trying to hook people to buy newer stuff. Or they'll do stuff like, you know, Lumberjanes One was yep. free like a couple weeks after it came out. Yep. But then again, we do that too because yep. we want to get people hooked on things. So sometimes right. we'll give away number ones and stuff like that. But uh, um. Yeah, so that that's definitely the reason why the prices are similar. Yeah, it's because they don't want to cut out their biggest revenue generator. And they say that, you know, uh, a classic point about less overhead is that, like, really the printing is the least expensive part of doing comics for the big publishers. Like, uh, you know, you got huge print runs for these things for some of them, but, you know, it's it's all just the amount of paper and the size of the comic book. A lot of it is you got to pay the talent to do really good stuff, and that's the same no matter who does it. You still have to pay people to do. Well, the, the I, I think the biggest thing is yeah, it's it's not the printing um, that is the difference maker when you're talking about the difference between digital and print. 
in price, like in in profit for the companies. The biggest thing is if Marvel is selling you a digital right. copy directly, they're there's no middleman. The yeah, they're yeah. getting they're all just, the money. Just, so. Distributors take a huge amount of money out. Yeah, and so do the stores. Yep, so, um, I mean, when a, when a company like Marvel sells a comic to Diamond, which is the biggest comics distributor, and pretty much the only really, yep. really the only comics distributor, yeah. um, you know, Diamond probably pays them something like 20% of the cover price for it. If that, yeah. yeah. So, crazy. Uh, if they're selling it directly to you digitally through their own store, you know, not counting like Comixology and other places like that, they're making pretty much 100% of the yep. cover price. Three to four times what they normally would. Yeah, so, if not um, five times. so that's, that's a big difference. Yep. Yeah. Uh, also, I would say the well, cool thing that Marvel at least does is whenever you buy a print copy, you get the digital copy free. Yeah, so I think that yeah. may be well, a much, uh, pretty much a more common ones. trend. Yeah, doing it on a lot of them anyway. Yeah. So uh, what we do is we peel off all the stickers in the back and we sell the digital copies on Craigslist. <laughs> no, that's not true. We don't do that. We should start doing that, though. We'll talk yeah, after yeah, the podcast. I'll, I'll, I'll make a note of uh, it. Yeah. Uh, so uh, thanks for the question, Classic Summers. Miss Summers, Mr. Summers. Um, yeah. All right. So we have another question from Pat because we didn't do a podcast last week and Pat sends us one question a week. Oh, uh, is it? This isn't another Pat? This is the same Pat. No, don't say that. No, Why? Real and secrets. This is a different Pat? Yay, more people. This is uh, Pat Sajak, like Nick said before. Pat Sajak. Uh, avid listener. He says, I would enjoy listening to a segment where you review a book that is at a jumping on point. That could be the start of a new story arc or a change of creative team or whatever hook a publisher may use to get you on a current series. Uh, along with the reviews, you could give a little background from the previous arc. Love the podcast. Pat. Oh, we usually do do that when there's no. at least when there's a new creative team. We um, sometimes do that. Most of the time. I mean, you know. It, it is, we do it We're less doing than it we should. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll do it for Superman this week. Superman and Thunderbolts. Yeah, we do it with Su- Superman and Thunderbolts this week. The only, the only thing with that is usually when we're doing that, uh, the second part about talking about the previous storyline, like uh, most of us weren't reading Superman before this. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, so, so that usually won't happen. But if it's a book we like, it will. Before, so. Yeah. But yeah, so. so we could point out a few things like, eh, none of us were reading this or <laughs> Nick was reading this and he liked this part or yeah. we liked how this changes or whatever. So we'll try to do that. Yeah. Good question. Good. Uh, thanks for all the questions, Pat. All the different Pats. Yep. Yes. So many Pats. <laughs> all right. So this is uh, from Anna. Oh, we got a lot of questions this week. We, like, we like when you guys send questions. It, it is my personal favorite part of the podcast. Me too. My least favorite part is reviews. I hate the reviews. Really? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I kind of do. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, they're this, uh, but you, I, you I can like... sum up. Just do like thumbs up, thumb down. I like the questions. I do too. Uh, yeah. Eight out of ten stars. Uh, so this <laughs> is from... Uh, Anna and she says, "Hey guys, this is a long, hey. this is a long one, by the way." All right, I'm ready. Uh, I found your podcast three weeks ago, and I'm working my way through the episodes. I'm currently on episode 94. I want to stop Whoa. for a second there. Whoa, Anna, if you can get back to us, did you listen to 93 episodes of this podcast in three weeks? Read the rest of her thing. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, I'm going from recent to oldest because of the recommendations. <laughs> okay, because I think I forget uh, his name. Anna, but, did but, you listen to 20 episodes of our podcast in two weeks? Yeah, because yeah, you did three weeks. Good for her. Yeah, because there was, there was our one listener who was listening while he was working out and got through all of them in like two months, and he got three buff. Months. Yeah, he ripped ripped up. He got he got ripped up. <laughs> I believe he got so, is he what got so pumped up listening to this. He just yeah, ran, ran like is, twenty miles without even noticing, which is great. Yep, I like to listen to podcasts when I drive. Do you guys listen to podcast? podcast? The weight loss solution for thousands of Americans. Anna, we're going to put your question on hold for a second, and I want to ask you guys a question. Nick, hold, hold do on, we work out on. while listening? Jared, yes, you guys work out. Because if you listen to podcasts, you can get pretty buff. No, no. I want to ask you guys, where do you listen to podcasts? 
Uh, where do I listen to podcasts? Yeah, yeah. In my car, always. Yeah, yeah, that's me. That's the only place I ever listen to podcasts. I uh, listen to them sometimes at work when I'm doing paperwork. Yeah, sometimes when I'm at home, like, work on my laptop, I have one running in the background, but I'm not paying as much attention to it as I should. Okay, let's get back to Anna's question instead of me asking you guys questions. Uh, she <laughs> says, uh, which stores do you three actually work at? I am 1,000% sure that this has been addressed, but I only know for sure that one of you works in Vienna. Also, how long have you all been working at Big Planet? I don't know if we've actually addressed this. I don't think we, we have. We've moved around a lot. Wow. Digging. See? Anna coming in from left field. I work curveballs. in the DC store. Kevin works at the Vienna store. Jared works at all of the stores. And That's n- not true. I don't work with that. Oh, That's true. true. Uh, <laughs> I yeah. work at Vienna, College Park, and DC. Uh, Nick has been here the least amount of time, but he's still he's been our, here a while. He's our new kid yeah. on the block. It's still been like almost like 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> Has it really been that long? Wow, really? Yeah, I've been here. Yeah, I think it was like 2005. Oh, man. I think that's when I started. Yeah, so you might be 2006. Yeah, it was something around. Yeah, so there. I started 2005. I was working at the Vienna store with these two guys. And then, the triumvirate. and then uh, they left to start the DC store or to take it over for, from some other people. Yep. And now I'm uh, running the Vienna store with uh, Kelly, who has been on the podcast before. As you listen further and further back, you will hear <laughs> her on one of the episodes. Her, and uh, and yeah, Jared's been working here for t- 20 years or something. Roughly. Uh, <laughs> no, 2001, 13. Oh, there you go. Yeah. And now he owns most of the stores. <laughs> Mostly. Uh, and then to the hosts that work on comics, how long have you been working on comics? Which comics of yours are you most proud of and why? And, uh, yeah, those. So Nick works on comics a little bit. Yeah, I've done some Magic Bullet comics. Uh, I've done some web comics here and there whenever I can. But uh, how long have you been working on them? Because this is a pretty new thing for you, right? Like, how long? I guess you, I, you drew before, but you didn't I really to, do comics. I mean, I've been drawing all my life just, right. like, stupid sketches and books and stuff, but... Uh, I guess the first time I started doing comics was not too long ago, like 2008 or something. Was it American Hero? Or do you have something uh, before that? The first thing was oh, Junktown. Yeah, Junktown, yeah. Junktown um, USA. Yeah. And I was like, uh, I go back and it's so terribly dark. <laughs> <laughs> but that's good. It's getting well, that's, better. That's so my favorite thing about it. You can see your style changing really quickly. It's really yeah, interesting. It's, uh, if you drew more, you would be pretty yeah, good by now. More often, <laughs> yeah. I, no, it's hard to find time. Uh, you're busy world cupping. I guess the thing I'm most proud of is probably the... Uh, Gang work because I actually did an entire issue of a comic. It was good. And number, I'll do more of it. And number two is not too far off. No, I'm almost done. Yeah. 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 I've been awesome. working on comics not that long, I guess. Uh, the first, my first thing that I really did was a comic called Legends of Super Wrestle. Oh, yeah. That I did with uh, Andy Kettler, who uh, people will know. Wait, we were doing all doing jam comics. Yeah, we, we, used to, we used to draw jam comics in the basement. That oh, was a lot right. of fun, uh, where we just pass around the pages and one person would draw a panel and then somebody would draw the next thing that happens. Right. But yeah, we, we printed uh, Legends of Super Wrestle and went to SPX with it, sold a bunch of copies, and that was fun. And now Andy's doing his own stuff. And then, since then, I've just been kind of doing stuff here and there. I did also a spinoff of Legends of Super Wrestle called Monster Fights with uh, this guy Mike Short. I do a bunch of comics with him. Um, but what, what are you most proud of? I think I, it's weird. I'm, yeah. I'm definitely proud of Bravest Warriors yep. and Possible Bear Story because it got published and it was that was a very cool thing for me. Yeah, and that just happened awesome. like last week. And you got to do it with your partner, Paulina? Yeah. And uh, the person I work on stuff the most with, uh, Paulina, uh, who does all our podcast pictures and stuff too. And I think right now the thing I'm most proud of is a thing called Zodiac Star Force, which is a webcomic that we worked on so together. Good. And uh, it's kind of a Sailor Moon meets Buffy the Vampire Slayer kind of thing. And, uh, yeah, we did a, we did some pages of that on the web, and we made a mini-comic of it. And now we're working on a, um, a bigger version of it that's actually being shopped around to some publishers and stuff. So we'll see Wait. if anything ever happens with that. And, uh, yeah, and then I've got a bunch of other stuff coming up that I am probably not allowed to talk about yet. 
But uh, best way to do it's it. all pretty it's exciting. Uh, one of them, right? Which one? The bats, killer bats, killer bats. I don't know if I'm supposed to talk about. It. I mean, no. it's my thing, so just, I guess I can say that. And yeah, nobody's gonna stop we'll you. Come. Yeah, I'm working on a comic called Killer Bats, Sweet. which is kind of like uh, uh, the best way to describe it is kind of like Office Space meets Piranha. <laughs> yeah, uh, but in the seventies, and uh, it's going to be pretty awesome. I've actually got like we've got a whole team, a letterer and an inker and, and all that stuff. So. Sweatshop. Yep, we got a whole sweatshop going. So uh, yeah, I'm pretty proud of that too. It's even though great. it's just getting going. And yeah. that's about it. That's about it. I did some comics. Yeah, Jared, what'd you oh, do? Wait, you also did stuff for. Um, uh, what did I do for uh, Wild Ocean? Did, oh yeah, did, yep. Uh, I did oh, a story yeah. in the comic Wild Ocean Paulino, anthology. I got published. Good. Getting published all over the place. Yeah, I've been published. A couple times. <laughs> I've been published. Uh, yeah, and Jared used to work on a comic strip in like a college newspaper. Yeah, uh, we published uh, the local comics club in school, which was ridiculous that we got money out of the university to do this. But we published an anthology of just students who did comics. So I did a couple of short stories for those, which uh, were really not that good and took me way too long to draw. Uh, so I discovered it's much easier to trick people into drawing for you, like Kevin. It's awesome. Uh, so I've got uh, one from my friend Mark, who might be working on it, that I wrote the script for. I'm kind of excited about that one. It involves Mars, and nice. I always like sci-fi stuff. So hopefully that'll be out soonish. Cool. And, oh, and I did all those ads. I wrote a bunch of ads that we did for uh, Magic Bullet that are up on the BigPlanetComics.com website. Done by totally amazing people like Lamar Abrams and Coleman Ingle and Mark Burrier. And who else is on there? We got a bunch. Brooke of, Allen. Oh yeah, Brooke Allen. So it's like all of our favorite people. Do, yeah, do ads for us. So we all do comics. Yeah, something something we happens like when you work comics. at a comic store. You're just like, hey, I know how comics work. I can do comics. Yeah, so. and, and sadly, then, it's true. yeah. You read like a Scott Lobdell <laughs> comic, and you're like, man, I, I could fix I this in a second. Better, I could okay. do better than this. All right, cool. Well, thanks for the question, Anna, and thanks for the question, Pat, and thanks for the question, Classic Summers. Uh, <laughs> if you guys have questions, you can send them to our Twitter at Big Planet Comics. Hey, if you want to follow me on Twitter. At Kevin Panetta. You could do that, too. Um, you can send them. Nick is on Twitter, at the real H.H. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I think. Yeah. We, we haven't oh, figured Tumblr, it out. Tumblr. He's on Tumblr. Tumblr. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you can also send them to podcast at bigplanetcomics.com or our Facebook page. Uh, yeah, send us questions. It is a fun part of the show. So, you guys ready to do some reviews? Let's do it. Let's, Let's do, do it. it. Nope. We love comics. <laughs> they're swell. Except when they're written by Scott Lovedale. I prefer important books like Louis Riel. It's time for reviews. All right. Up first, we have The Amazing World of Gumball, number one. Let's this is blaze through these. Yeah, yeah. We've got a bunch of them. So uh, <laughs> this is written by Frank Gibson, who uh, of Frank and Becky fame. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's previously written Tiny Kitten Teeth, and I believe he works on the Bee and Puppycat cartoon. Um, and this is drawn by Tyson Hess, who is boxer hockey, um, and he does a lot of web comics and stuff. And, yeah, so Amazing World of Gumball is a cartoon on Cartoon Network. Uh, it's basically about this uh, cat called Gumball and his adopted brother, who is a goldfish named Darwin. And they yeah. get into a lot of trouble and things, as kids and cartoons do. Mm-hmm. And uh, this first issue is about basically them taking the family car. <laughs> and uh, Yeah, like one of the, one of the cool kids in school uh, comes in. With a car, and everybody's like, Ooh, "Oh, he's so awesome!" And they're like, "Oh, I want to be like that guy." But the funny part is, that guy shows up at the school, and he's driving a car, but his dad is pushing the pedals underneath. <laughs> uh, yeah, so so Gumball decides if he's going to be cool, he needs to get a car. And uh, Gumball's father, Richard, is uh, very um, not always great at being a dad, no. and so he tells Gumball, "Sure, take the car." And then he puts uh, training wheels on him. He first. puts training wheels on it. Well, that's, for, that's safety yeah. first, man. Uh, and then um, yeah, so some hijinks. Uh, ensue and there's a really funny joke at the end. Uh, it's I thought this was really 
uh, well written. Yeah, and, it's really well written. Yeah. It's really the, funny. Yeah, and the art cracked me up at times. Uh, I've actually yeah, watched definitely. a lot of Gumball episodes recently, and I, I'm really into it. And I feel like this gets the tone of the show really well. So, do you think they're going to come back to the uh, the Department of Motor Vehicle scene, like in some kind of time travel or something? No, I think that was that a joke. A thing that happens. Yeah, I, I thought that was one of the funniest jokes. Like <laughs> the that aspect of that, I thought was really funny. It's I don't want to give it away, but yeah, uh, yeah, yeah I thought it was hilarious. hilarious. Um, yeah. So, uh, and then is there? There is a backup in here, but it is not a Gumball comic. It is a preview of the new Steven Universe comic that uh, is written by uh, Jeremy Cerise and, friend, and drawn by friend of the show, Coleman Engel. Yeah, Coleman. And it's cool. Uh, they're do, so they're doing a Steven Universe comic, and this is going to be the team on it. And if you want to see what they're going to do, uh, check out the first pages, first two pages here. Uh, this is a two-page story they did especially for this. And it's a lot of fun, and I've been seeing some stuff from the Steven Universe comic, and it's going to be pretty awesome. Nice. Uh, yeah, so that is The Amazing World of Gumball. Uh, a kid's comic, by the way. If you have kids, maybe your kids will like it. Yeah. And if you don't have kids, you know, enjoy all your free time and money. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right, up next we have Savage Hulk number one. This is written and drawn by Alan Davis, uh, with a little help from his friends, Mark Farmer and some other, Matt Hollingsworth. And uh, this is kind of a weird story. It takes place directly after an old issue of x-men i I believe x-men number 66 yep and And so just to put in context x-men 66 before wolverine shows up this is like the oldest of old x-men when x-men was doing so badly that they canceled it and started well basically started running reruns of older issues and then finally canceled it before it got relaunched 66 x-men you know and love 66 might be the last issue oh really before they did that original stories wow because they came back with 94 right and giant size size 94 is the yeah yeah so uh so this is a story about uh hulk and professor x so yeah so they have an entire page trying to explain what happened but basically aliens attacked professor x uh uses his psychic powers and the aliens goes away but he goes into a coma and so they figure out that maybe bruce banner i.e the hulk might be able to help them so the x-men meet up with hulk and there's a big battle which they show you flashbacks of on the tv reporting and they move on with that so you've got the leader uh an x uh I guess one of the bigger villains for the Hulk. Uh, yeah, he's kind of investigating of... what's going on, and then the X Men are trying to track down the Hulk and figure out how to help him and how to get you know, basically you know, it's just a how to stick the Hulk and the X Men together. Yeah, it's a re- it's kind of a weird it's a weird thing. It's it has a, it feels very, very old timey ish. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's like and the the whole plot and the reasoning behind it is a little thin. It's like yeah. Hulk helped Professor X get out of a coma, so Professor X wants to help the Hulk like yeah, but be that's, happier. That's how the old comics worked. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, in that way, I don't know. I, I it was fun. I in kind of a nostalgic way. Yeah, it's fun and kind of old timey. But there's also kind of a nice scene where. Um, Bruce is like hanging out with these like um, old retired people that are oh yeah that's yeah. caravanning kind of, and that was yeah, kind of sweet. There's, there's a good scene with Hulk out in the desert too. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, so there are a couple of good night. moments, but overall not not a huge standout comic. No, I mean if you're a fan of Alan Davis and you like kind yeah. of that old school feel, um, this is great. Yeah. And I do think this is one of the better things he's done recently. Like yeah. he's done a couple of these other like old timey x-men comics recently but i think this is probably the best one uh all right up next we have superman number 32 and this is important you say why would you review superman 32 well jeff johns is now writing superman oh i I thought because pat asked us to oh yeah because pat asked us to uh and jeff johns has been you know he was he's kind of the big big guy at dc right he was running the decision maker yeah he was running green lantern when green lantern was you know one of the best comics superhero comics coming Mm -hmm. out he wrote teen titans when that was one of the best superhero comics coming out he wrote jsa when that was one of the best superhero comics coming out 
And now he's writing Superman. Oh, he also wrote Aquaman when Aquaman was a really and good comic Justice too. too. And, uh, and John Romita Jr. is drawing this. Is this his first ever DC comic? There was... It's either his first in, ever or first in like 20, 20 years. Yeah. There was an article like in the Post or something about yeah. this, about that Romita had moved over to DC. So, so um, yeah, so it's, yeah, it's kind of a big deal thing. And um, it's... Uh, what, what, what do we say about this? All right. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, the basic gist of the story, um, like the framing device is that there's this kind of analog version of Superman from, uh, like this lab in, uh, in, uh, Omaha. Like another dimension or no, it's under Omaha, Omaha it's in Omaha, Nebraska underground. Um, and these people, the lab is about to explode with some kind of crazy energy. Um, and so they send their baby to, um, Dimension, Dimension four, four, which I guess is that where Mister Mixedpitalik is from? Dimension Z? I don't or know. He's, you know. I have no idea. No, he's, uh, he's from like the fourth dimension. Yeah. Oh, so maybe, so maybe it is. Yeah. And so they send him to this to the fourth dimension, uh, and they're like, "Oh, but he's on this new world. He's going to get powers." And it's like, uh, you know, they send the baby to the kind of almost like it's, a rocket. So it's like parallel Superman, analog. Superman. Yes. Um, and you know, he goes to the other dimension. He has powers, and then it cuts to you know. Superman, and it's kind of, you know, Superman fighting a giant ape, and there's, like, stuff with uh, Jimmy Olsen, and it's a little, it feels a little more old-school Superman, you know? Yeah, he's, like, kind of back at the Daily Planet. Yeah, there's is... stuff with, like, you know, um, hey, uh, what's his name? Uh, Perry White. Publisher Perry White, um, where he, he wants Kent to work there again, and there's a weird scene where... That was definitely one of the strangest things about the relaunch, that they didn't have Clark Kent working at the Daily Planet. Right. Yeah. It's like, they were trying to simplify things, but it just muddies things, you know? It's yeah. like, it's the whole like thing is he comes concept. to Smallville, yeah. I mean, he comes from Smallville to Metropolis, and he works at the Daily Planet. He also wears a backwards cap, which was kind of weird. Yeah, that was a little um, weird. It's, it's, well, it's like two kind of old dudes trying to do things that are cool. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> but, uh, no, I liked it overall. Um, I, I did think... I feel like the kind of idea of a of another kind of Superman analog is, is I feel like it's been done a lot. Yeah, like I feel like it was done even. in uh, yeah recently in uh, Superman Unchained, right? There was like another Superman, or yep. And then there was like Monel and the Grant Morrison stuff. Right. <clears throat> but the good thing about this is, um, I think that Johns brings a lot more to the book than the, the what, what was going on in this book before. Oh, right, right. Yeah, for sure. And so I feel like finally the main Superman book is kind of the marquee Superman title again. Instead of doing stuff like bringing in Superman Unchained, which was that was Jeff Johns and Jim Lee, right? No, it was uh, Scott. Snyder. Oh, Scott Snyder and Jim Lee. It's like you, if you have a big team, you put it on your big main book. Yep. And so I think that by doing that, they're doing the smart thing with this. And people are very divided on John Romita Jr. Um, I happen to like him quite a bit, and I I think this is some of his best art uh, for sure. Yeah, I, I feel like uh, he definitely has square, squarer parts of his art that I think put some people off. This is less. It's very, it's very classic style. Kind of it's still really John Romita Jr. Oh, sure, but, but um, yeah, it's it's maybe closer to like his Spider-Man stuff than maybe yeah. like his more recent Avengers stuff. I actually really liked his. Uh, I thought Dean White, who's kind of a guy that just finishes over at Marvel, did a really good job with John Romita Jr.'s art on the Captain America book. Oh yeah, and I, I preferred that to this, but I still think that this looks nice. Um, but yeah, I definitely had people come in today that were like, I'm not going to buy this. I don't like John Romita Jr. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I feel like DC is making some moves in the right direction. Yeah. I thought this had some of the better, like Clark slash Superman character moments. This felt more like Superman than most of the Superman books have felt in a long time. Yeah. I, I have, I'm still enjoying action comics and I like Superman Wonder Woman actually. So I feel like the Superman line surprisingly really strong. Yeah. has gotten really strong. Uh, all right. Up next, we've got Thunderbolts number 27. 
Uh, this is part one of The Punisher versus The Thunderbolts. So this is written by Ben Acker and Ben Blacker, who were the guys behind The Thrilling Adventure Hour, which is a which is a pretty funny, like, old-timey podcast that has Paul F. Tompkins and uh, Andrew Daly and Andy Daly and some other people and stuff on it. That's, that's really good. And uh, this is drawn by Carlo uh, Barberi. And I feel like... They bring a lot of that humor from that over into this, and it's kind of a funny Thunderbolts book. Yeah. Uh, well, this, this is uh, the reason we're doing this one is because this is the first time they've been on this book. So, Nick, you actually have been reading a lot of Thunderbolts. Season. So, do you want to explain? Yeah, like, I've been reading how Thunderbolts. This, Basically, how Thunderbolts. Um, it changed. This is the third time it's changed uh, writers. So first it was uh, Daniel Way, and it wasn't and it was, very good. And it was uh, Charles Soule after or Sewell after that. Who's drawing it? It was. Um, Preacher. Uh, oh, uh, uh, Steve. Steve Dillon. Steve Miller. Dillon, yeah. uh, Steve <laughs> Dillon was drawing it. It was Steve really band. such a weird book. Um, and then Charles, Charles Soule started writing it, and that was good. Um, it was like it, it, the premise became basically these, these people are together so they can help each other to, you know, uh, so each one pulls the name out of the hat and they're like, oh, we're doing a mission for Deadpool this time or, you know, Flash or whatever. Flash. <laughs> Flash Thompson. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then this one, Punisher decides he's he's done with it and he wants to quit. Um and he finds out that he can't and the Thunderbolts are trying to kill him. Yeah, that's pretty um, much it. It was fun and funny. And yeah, the thing is, I like this. I thought it was kind of good, but I I feel like I liked it better before. I don't know. Like we'll we'll see. Over I do like style. the new artist. Yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah, I I thought the end was uh had me intrigued and it makes me want to read the next issue. Yeah, I'll definitely check it yeah. out. Uh, all right, up next we've got uh Escapo by Paul Pope. So this is a new hardcover version of Escapo, which is a book that's been out for a long time, but it's also been out of print for a very long time. And this yeah. is from a new publisher called Z Two, who also published a is it Z Two? Is that right? Hmm? Who also published like a Dean Haspiel book that came out uh, this last week as well. Yep. And uh, this is the first time that Escapo has been in color. Yeah. So Escapo came out in '98. This uh, Paul Pope was self-publishing stuff in like '94 to '98. Like the earliest stuff he did was all self-published. Um, and so he put this one out in a black and white version. And I I have it. And I read it a long time ago, obviously. And Kevin, you said you read this before. Do you think these last two stories in here were from something else? I didn't remember them as much. They weren't in Escapo. Okay, that's what I was trying to figure out. No, Escapo out. was just the one story. The short one. Yeah, yeah, it was like 40 pages or something like that. Yeah, so like, yeah. so basically this is three stories in here. And let me see if I can find a page count real quick. Uh, yeah, so the first About story is like, so. like 40-ish. Total. Yeah. And then there's two other stories in it. Um, but yeah, uh... So basically, the main story is Escapo is an escape artist who works at a circus, and he has a crush on, I believe, the horse riding girl, the magnificent Arabella, uh, queen of the high wire. And so it's just kind of like him trying to very ineptly uh, talk to her and see if there's any sort of connection. And oh, sorry, that's what it is. So she's just the high wire girl, and uh, there's basically the rumor that she has a crush on the acrobat king whose uh, stunts is he rides horses and is an acrobat. Uh, and so the main crux of it is that just, he, you know, he goes and talks to her and uh, Vic is his real name and says, you know, well, you know, do you like me? And she's like, ah, I don't really know. And so it's, it's very quickly obvious that this guy's just out of his depth and doesn't know what he's doing. And he tries to push it to say that, like, you know, I will go out and do my most death defying escape stunt tomorrow. And if you're wearing the right thing to show that you are interested in me, otherwise wear this to show that you don't like me. So very quickly becomes this like over the top. I don't know overly romantic take on you know is it you know he's going to this death situation and trying to figure out what his life is like i don't know 
there, there's not really that much to it, but it, it's got this emotional, I don't know, awesomeness to it. Um, and then there are two other short stories that are just like more escapo stunts, which are much more like, you know, trapped in the most difficult thing and he f- ends up facing death and, uh, so kind of even more out there stories. And yeah. It's, it's not even the story so much that's interesting. In this It's yeah. just like Paul Pope's art. It's, when yeah. he did escapo, I feel like he was at his most like loose, loose. Yeah. yeah. But in a good way. Oh yeah. Great. Like, uh, like he goes nuts with this stuff and it, it's great. I mean, his, cause he's got like swirling death machines and like, you know, just huge nets and cages and, uh, big tops and like crazy clowns and crazy makeup and yeah so this was originally in black and white jared yep. how did you feel about the the coloring i thought they did a really good job with it um yeah i don't know if it was necessary but it looks good yeah i think so it, yeah, there's I definitely feel... some like big entire page you know whole page illustrations that i think work really well with the colors um uh and who colored it i, I didn't actually write it question. down i don't know um I oh uh, like... shea plumber okay i don't know who that is i don't know but either. uh but i you know jose villarubia is somebody that's always been a good colorist with paul pope yeah but, uh, i thought the colors in this were cool and in ways reminded me of the villarubia colors like the textures and stuff that he uses so yeah yeah uh it's a cool book if you don't have a scapo and chances are you don't uh yeah, it's, it's definitely worth it's checking so checking out it's a good companion to the uh recent one trick ripoff that came out. Uh, I think if you get both of those, you got a pretty good sense of Paul Pope's early stuff. Yep. And uh, from there, you can read 100% Battling Boy, and then you'll have a bunch of good Paul Pope stuff. Yeah, and there's some awesome like pinups in the back, including like oh man, who did it? Sam Heady does a two page story instead of a a, a pinup of just like this like kid and her dad watching Escapo try to get out. It's it's amazing. And Sam Heady's awesome. I want <coughs> Death Day Volume Two. Where is it? Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. Yeah. All right. Well, that's uh, the Escapo hardcover. And I will just say this cover uh, is not my favorite cover. No, I definitely like the original cover. The cover better. is blech. Is uh, it even drawn by Paul Pope like part it, of it is or I something? I assume it is, and then they did crazy stuff on top of it. But, yeah, basically ignore the cover and flip through the book, and you'll be like, oh, this is awesome. Uh, yeah, do that. Uh, up, all right, up next, we've got Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Turtles in Time, number one. Uh, this is written by Paul Allure and uh, drawn by um, Ross, Ross Campbell, Campbell, who was drawing Ninja Turtles before this. So there's a, there's a weird thing in the beginning of this. So I'm going to read this. Uh, the Turtles recently met a good-natured interdimensional time traveler named Renee. Don't remember that story? Well, it happened in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Annual 2014, but due to a time malfunction, that book isn't out yet. <laughs> so uh, the main character in this book was introduced in a book that has not been released yet. Yeah, <laughs> love it. So, uh, so when you go into it, it's a little strange. But uh, yeah, so basically, Turtles in Time was a really cool arcade Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game. Yep. Yep. Oh, really? Which was about them traveling through time. I did. Not and know. Uh, this book is, you know, it's not based on that, but it's just kind of taking that Inspired idea, inspired by that, yeah, and yeah. making it into something else. So it starts in there in the ancient. Uh, like prehistoric times with dinosaurs and stuff. And there are a bunch of Utrams there. And if you don't know what Utrams are, those are Krangs, basically. Mm-hmm. If you don't and know what Krangs are? If you don't know what Krangs are, Krangs are that little brain guy that lives in the guy with the 80s sunglasses. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so so they're there, and they're just kind of checking things out. But as far as they know, Utrams are all bad guys. And uh, Raphael gets captured. And to free him, they kick the crap out of a bunch of Utrams, but it ends up that they're just scientists, <laughs> and which I thought was really funny because yeah. they just beat them up and they're like, oh, wait, these guys aren't actually like Yeah, they, they ride yeah. dinosaurs and uh, yeah, but, they have pet dinosaurs and it's, it's fun. It's really funny. Um, yeah, it's like very light, but the art is, is like so good. I yeah. love it. I, yeah. I love Ross Campbell for um, 
for Ninja Turtles. I think he's a great artist for it. Yep. Yeah, great I think, choice. I think he does a really good mixture of the cartoony stuff, but he can be serious as well sometimes. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I thought he nailed it in this. Uh, and um, yeah, uh, this is probably my favorite Ninja Turtles comic that has come out in the past few years. I liked his run on it, but it still had all those weird furry characters that were introduced in the beginning yeah, of the run. True. So uh, this doesn't have any of that. And for that, I applaud them. <laughs> yep. And then the next issue, uh, this one as well, both have covers by David Peterson, who is the guy who does Mouse Guard. Yeah. And the next one is them in full on uh medieval japan samurai garb and i'm just like this comic should be made because that is amazing well it is going to be made it's, it's like uh, ninja, ninja, turtles, ninja <laughs> yeah. turtles 3 yeah the movie it is uh secrets of the ooze <laughs> no that's not what it's called wait that was turtles, in, turtles time. in time is it called turtles in no. time turtles in time was the second one wasn't it no secrets of the ooze is the second one what is the second what is the third one called something turtles in, in time turtles in time oh boy yeah. is yeah. it i think so no. That's what this is called. No, that's what that video game is called. Anyway, uh, <laughs> research. Uh, Turtles out of time. I just made that up. All right, up Turtle next. Time. Turtle time. Turtle <laughs> uh, Are we doing Winter World? Sure. Okay, up next is Winter World number one. This is written by Chuck Dixon, who uh, wrote Midnighter and Grifter miniseries. <laughs> and uh, art is by Butch Guise, who drew JLA classified do, do stuff <laughs> uh deep. those are seriously the things i could think of but yeah, I'm, wow. they've, they've done a lot of that's stuff impressive um and uh yeah this is a sequel to a, a graphic novel called winter world but i feel like this is kind of its own story that you can read on its own yeah i never read the first winter yeah, world. i didn't know there was um, I, I knew it sounded familiar you could jump into realize. it pretty simple it's uh it's basically like water world except everything is frozen um but it's not terrible like water world <laughs> yeah uh yeah and it's water just about is this good um, is it by the way I mean, I'll I think it's all right. I'll watch it again. Oh, were they, uh, hus- oh, no, husband and wife, uh, father and daughter? No. Um, it was just like this uh, kind of, you know, your typical um, almost Mad Max type character. Post-apocalyptic like, tough guy. He's surviving in the in the wastes. But he has this kind of companion that's a young girl. Um, and they get attacked. And that's that's about, not a lot happens in this yeah, first it's, issue. It's straight up adventure sci-fi. But it's, uh, yeah. it's a cool world. I like the world that they set up. And I like which guys' art a lot. Um, and yeah, it's, it's fun. All right. That's Winter World. All right. Uh, we do have a lot of books, so we're just kind of blasting through <laughs> them today, through. which is fine. Uh, up next, we have Noirness. Uh, by, this is by Boulet, who is a French cartoonist. This book is so noir, you can barely read the title on the cover. I didn't realize it had a title on the cover <laughs> until someone pointed it out. So this is, I thought this, this is a kind of a one-shot comic. I mean, it's, it is yep. exactly a one-shot comic. It that is. is really fun. It's, it's basically like this guy uh, who, is, who has a roommate. And his roommate is really dark. Is really dark. Like he basically talks in the beginning about like the like, dark, brooding, super awesome looking guy. Yeah, like uh, like how certain people are just only one thing, and this yes. guy is only dark. And because of that, uh, every girl that ever comes over that he tries to date uh, immediately is like, entranced by this guy, and it ends up in like a rocky affair with him yeah it's really funny because whenever he shows up there's also kind of uh there's like sound effects and, and like lighting changes lighting. There's, there's like um what do you call it um like narration yeah <laughs> that's like very uh it's like his melancholic eyes went numb for a second soft and gray like the autumn's mist it's like stuff like that <laughs> and he's like see that happens all the time and the funny the, the funny is like a funny part where the guy uh, points it out he's like hey stop the narration again um, so he's, uh, the main character's talking to his friend and, uh, she basically figures out a solution to the problem, which I'm not going to say what it is cause it's really funny, yeah, it's such a good but it's idea. kind of a solution that mirrors the same problem that he's having. Yep. Um, and that all builds up into a really hilarious ending. And this was a really good book. Uh, the art, it's a very cute ending. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's a cute, yeah, it's a really cute ending. Um, and the art is, uh, what does it remind you of? 
I mean, it reminds me a lot of Pascal Girard, probably, um, uh, the Canadian artist. But I'd, I'd say Mobius a little bit. Yeah, but then there's a little bit of Mobius in here, especially whenever you look at when Mobius like just does like a cartoony something. Yep. Uh, yeah, it's like the cartoony side of Mobius. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it was it was it's a really incredible. I could not believe that this was a 24 hour. Yeah, comic. so that's what this was we, a 24 hour comic. Did this yeah. as a 24 hour comic a year or two ago. He does one every year. This is astounding. That's crazy. Yep. Yeah, he did, he did it at Angolem in 24 hours. Oh, my God. At Angolem in 2011, he did a Popeye the Film comic in 24 yep. hours. Yeah. Uh, and so, Let me read that. So, Boulet is French, but the best thing is uh, he has a ton of comics on his website that are in English uh, and for free. And he just he's such a good artist. Like, I love his he's, style. Uh, at the so, back of this, it has a little bit of these little one-shot drawings that he do, did. And they're yeah. incredible. Ridiculous. It was like somebody would just send him a phrase and he'll draw something. Yeah. So, somebody just sent him one that says, a walk in the mountains. And it's like this elaborate drawing of these these mountains with a, a girl walking with like a like a muskox type creature and it's like so incredibly detailed um it's great yeah the but whole yeah. thing is great it was published by ad house i can't recommend it enough it um, is highest recommendation it's astounding but yeah just search for boule b-o-u-l-e-t i think his website is it in the back there nick boule core is it in the uh, back page or whatever no well, on that listing, I'll tell you in a second. Whatever you can find his webpage. It's yeah, fine. Yeah. Um, Google him. Yeah. But yeah, there's a ton in English. He's amazing. All right, up next we have Outcast Number One. This is by written by Robert Kirkman, who wrote um, Astounding Wolfman, Bombs Over Baghdad. But, what? What? No, that was Outcast. <laughs> oh, different Outcast. <laughs> um, yeah, no. This is written by Robert Kirkman, who obviously writes Invincible and Walking Dead, Super Dinosaur, and Super Yeah, and Super Dinosaur, Astounding Wolfman, and uh, yeah, Marvel Team Up, Battle <laughs> Marvel Team Up with uh, Freedom Ring. Um, yeah, and the art in this is by Paul Azucena, who's drawn a ton of stuff. He drew Grounded. Which is a series that nobody remembers he, that I really he, liked. He, he, he did, um, uh, oh man, what is that comic about all the unmarked graves? Oh, um, what is that one? The one that was an early boom book. Yeah, and it was Mike Mark Wade. God, um, Potter's oh, Field. Yeah. Potter's Field. Field. Yeah, which yeah. is great. I definitely recommend that a lot. And he drew a little, a little bit of Amazing Spider-Man recently, like not recently, but during Brand New Day. Yeah, and this is uh, this is Kirkman's kind of big new book. I feel like Kirkman has done a lot of books since Invincible and Walking Dead launched. Yeah, but none of them have really like. Not a big Stuck. ongoing, kind yeah, of. or like have been like a big ongoing thing, or they've been weird niche books where he's like, I want to do a project with the old image guy. You know, yeah. it's just not like he's like a Kirkman vision and project. I love Kirkman, him. but when he works with old image guys, he writes down to them a yep. hundred yep. million percent. Yep. But uh, so this is, but this is the first thing I feel from him that feels like like oh, this is a big new thing that everybody yep. should get excited about. And uh, this is a book uh, about exorcisms. Yeah, so basically, uh, this starts off with a woman who finds her child, I don't know how, like 12, 13, young kid, uh, Joshua, is basically, or she believes he is possessed. And so she goes to the reverend of this little town in West Virginia uh, and says, you need to come and try to exercise my kid. And just, it, it goes horribly wrong. Like, he's basically tied him up on the bed and just can't do anything. And ends up going to uh, the main protagonist, we find out, is this guy who's just moved back into town. And uh, the reverend's like, you need to come help me exercise this kid. And you're like, what is this guy talking about? And basically that this guy who's just moved in town had some His sort of... His name is Kyle, by the way. Kyle had some weird incident when he was younger. Well, you can find out pretty quick that his his mom was possessed, um, and different people in his life have been kind of possessed by demons, but he doesn't want to believe in it. Yeah. Um, he's like, why does this keep happening to me? Um, and he's, you know, confronted with this kid. You see a little bit of his family life. Um, he's, you know, his sister still talks to him, but everybody else kind of hates him because... 
he's accused he was accused of like um child abuse it seems yeah uh, like some because some previous exorcism or demon possession involved like his ex-wife or his daughter or something bad happened in the t- yeah. so to any normal person it looks like he's a, a, a child abuser or a wife abuser or both right because in this he beats up a kid <laughs> but uh yep. yeah it's 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 part of the uh, process, but it's it's a very interesting book. There's lots of hints at like a bigger story and kind of a, a, a interesting world. But the the main t- takeaway I thought, I thought it was a really good kind of character th- uh, study of like this guy and how he's been dealing with these these problems all his life. And yeah, you, you kind of forget how good Kirkman is at like in like the first issue of Walking Dead, the first issue of Invincible. How quickly he creates a really interesting character. Uh, with Rick or uh, Invincible just, like, instantly pulling you in and being like, I right. want to know more about these. And yet, both of those had some cool twists and some background stuff that, you know, developed out over the series. But I think what he does differently in this is, like, both of those books start out in a very straightforward way. Right. They're, like, inter- they're, right. like, let me introduce all these characters and here's what's happening. Yeah, everything in here in is this- actually very subtle. Yeah, and I feel like they're, it's, like... Even though a lot of it is, you find out what's going on even by the end of this first issue. There's like right. a lot of mystery set up throughout this issue, and um, it's a little like almost befuddling and in an interesting way. Like right. you, you, you don't know what's exactly what's going on. Yeah, and you kind of learn about like his past slowly, and kind of uh, you just kind of piece it together yourself. Yeah, Kirkman's it's, it's use of flashback is amazing. I mean, the one thing is that Kyle's moved back into his old house where he had the incident with his mother. So there's been great scenes where literally he's walking into a room and he'll pause. And then the next scene is the exact room, but when he was a kid. So you kind of see this contrast and like hints of all the horrible things that have happened back to him, but still that mystery and, surrounding uh, it. Paul Azuqueda's art is so, so, so good in this. Yeah, yeah and just a, a and, great choice. And just really, really great for this. And I will say the color palette in this, which uh, I don't know who did Elizabeth Breitweiser. Yeah, yeah she's uh, really good. She she did fantastic. It, it has a very muted uh, color palette that, you know, everything looks like it's happening at, like, you know, like at dusk or just like right. on an overcast day and it's it's all just colored really well um the dark blues and purples and inside yeah, and, and just the stuff they set up you know it's it's interesting to do an ongoing series about de- demonic possession and exorcism and how it affects one person's life and uh i'm really curious to see where this book goes yeah, yeah great start yeah for sure all right up next we have cartoon network super secret crisis war Number one. So this is written by Louise Simonson, who wrote X Factor in like 1989. <laughs> um, and uh, the art in this is by Derek Charm, who's drawn some uh, Powerpuff Girls stuff recently. He's kind of a, a new guy on the scene. I, I thought he did a really good job in this book, though. Um, so the the plot of this is silly, but I think it's really fun. Basically, yeah. a bunch of villains from uh, Samurai Jack, Ben 10, Dexter's Laboratory, and Powerpuff Girls are all working together to summon their enemies to this realm that they're in, uh, basically by making them fight robots. And then if they uh, if they win, they get sent to this realm. It's a really strange... See, I didn't understand that. I didn't understand, like... like so, it's weird. They send well, these robots there, and whenever they defeat the robot, it makes them teleport to their lab see, or something. I was like, why don't they just teleport they're to all, their lab? They're all kind of competing with each other, because every robot sent is from a different villain. So it's like, I'll see if my robots can defeat your, right. your arch enemy. But it seems like, but they do make a point of saying, like, um, when, and then when they defeat the robots, that's when they'll be sent here. So they're not, like, even trying to kill them at this point. No, because they say they literally have to have, uh, prove their worthiness. So I think they're both kind of show, both trying to, all the villains are trying to one-up each other. Either saying, like, I have the most nefarious, like, good guy that I was battling with, and my robots are way cooler than yours, so my robots can beat your, you know, good guys. 
And then they accidentally uh, kidnap Ed, Ed, and Eddie. <laughs> Which yeah. I thought was really funny, actually. Yeah. I the, So of all the things in this, I was like, Ed, Ed, and Eddie is the thing I'm not interested that's in here. Yeah. But the way they set that up, uh, I I actually laughed a few times during that yeah. section of the book. And, uh, yeah, I thought it was fun. It's Basically, it's all mulligany stuff or um not mulligan uh, uh mcguffin mcguffin stuff to set up what is going to be big fights with all these people yep. and that's the stuff i'm excited about so and i remain excited about it because i think in this book two things happen one louis simonson really gets the voices of all the characters really well yeah. like if you know these characters i feel like you you know it sounds like they sound like themselves and then i think uh derek charm does a great job one of sort of matching all these art styles and two of making them all work together yeah, yeah. in a way because they're all i didn't realize how different like you just assume like oh cartoon network and there, there's some real variety in the styles of the and, and eddie's so. completely different yep. yeah like like you know um samurai jack and um uh powerpuff girls and dexter's laboratory all have a thread that goes yeah. through like either craig mccracken or jendy tarkovsky worked on all those shows right. but uh but the ben T- the ben 10 stuff he fits in pretty well and yeah and ed, ed and eddie stuff their universe is so different but he nails their art style too and i yeah i just thought it was i thought it was really fun it was fun and yeah. uh i'm excited to read more of it uh up next is the johnny bravo one shot so <laughs> that should be pretty crazy i hope there's a cow and chicken one uh, there is. There is there? Is. Yeah. Yep. Oh, wow. That's so, awesome. So, yeah, so it'll be a six-issue miniseries with five yeah, they're all in the back for different characters. Uh, there's a Johnny Bravo one, Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy, Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends, Cow and Chicken, and Kids Next Door, which I don't I don't remember. Uh, the Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends is um, drawn by Paulina. Oh, uh, that one is? Yeah. Nice. That's what? Awesome. Amazing. Yeah. So that'll be cool. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> code name Kids Next Door, really. Okay. Um, <laughs> all right. So, we just have one book left this week, but I saved the best for last, or I, in my one opinion. One of the best. Uh, this is The Wicked and the Divine, number one. This is written by Kieran Gillen with art by Jamie McElvey, and they are the team who worked on um, Phonogram and Phonogram 2. And also, more recently, Young Avengers. Yeah. And The Wicked and the Divine is a comic about gods coming to Earth and inheriting the bodies of uh, basically teenagers who become pop stars. Yeah. Yeah. Or not not necessarily pop stars, all of them. But but, but are infused with the power of gods. And pop culture stars. In, in modern times means that they become famous and often, yeah, pop culture stars. Yeah. So, uh, basically, uh, this is about... These few characters uh, who are these gods, um, I don't know if we should say what gods they are or if that gives too much away. I don't know. I don't think it does. No, I, ba- yeah, I basically was it, like... It's such a good start. I, I was I'm telling sure this to more. somebody and I was like, oh, you know, there's this girl named Lucy and she's Lucifer. And Kelly at the store was like, what? That's a that's a spoiler. Don't tell people that. I'm like, the first thing she says is I'm the father of lies, the adversary, yep. lord of lies, the old serpent. I'm like, everybody knows who she is. But basically, um, this is about some... Some reporters come to interview them who are very skeptical that they have these powers. Uh, you know, a lot of people are worshiping them and a lot of people don't believe them in them at all. So the skeptical reporter comes to basically debunk them. And right after that happens, a bunch of uh, snipers show up and try to kill all of them. Yep. So there are definitely some pretty serious forces working against yeah. these uh, uh, these gods. And then... Um, or, you know, we still don't actually know if they are gods or yeah. what is going on. And then it ends with a courtroom scene that ends in a really crazy, crazy way and uh, sets up even sort of more mystery. And that's about it, you know? 
Yep. It was a really, really good first issue. The I think it's uh, McKelvey's best art I've ever seen. I think it's yeah. Kieran Gillen. It's like, I love Phonogram, but this is like Phonogram with like four more layers of great stuff going on <laughs> right, in it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, they just set up so much stuff in this first issue, and it's really, really, really good. Really awesome. Yeah. All right, so that's it for reviews for this week. I assume you guys like that, right? Great. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, it's, <laughs> it's great. No, it's awesome. Um, so yeah, that's we now that's not. No, it. we got some spoilers. We got more, man. Yeah, we got more stuff. <laughs> so uh, kinds of stuff. We were gonna do the podcast last week, and instead, and we were gonna play a game and then do the podcast. But we played a game, and then um, it took too long. So now we're gonna review the game this week. So this is our new section of the podcast called "Time to Play the Game." Time to play the game. Time to play the game. <laughs> All right, so the first game we played was uh, was called Munchkin. This is a, a card game uh, made by Steve Jackson Games. Who uh, Steve Jackson, Jared, you're you're the game guy. I am. He, Steve Jackson worked on a bunch of other games. He's done too. Really. GURPS is his big one. Yeah, which um, is like a like a general role playing thing that anybody can use yep. for any kind of system. But yeah, he's done a whole bunch of board games, card games, everything. He's been around forever. He's like one of those guys from the 70s or 80s that has just done a bunch of games, and with his company, has done a lot of other games. And Munchkin, like a lot of the best games, is uh, as much about making sure you win it's all about making sure that your friends lose yep <laughs> so um the game starts and everybody gets dealt cards and uh you have uh levels that you need to go up and basically to win the game you you need to get to level 10 yep and um <clears throat> to to go up a level uh there are two decks there is a a treasure deck and a door deck is that is that what it is yep so on each turn a player will uh it's called kicking down a door so you flip over one of the door cards and hopefully it's going to be a monster that you're fighting and uh and then if you can defeat that monster, you move up a level. And then the other people try either to help you or yep. to hurt you. Yep. And so the trick is that in the beginning parts of the game, you are basically trying to get cooperation from someone else. Because almost always you'll go up against a monster you can't defeat. So like when we were playing, I'd be like, oh, this monster's going to kill me. Hey, Kevin, will you help me? And exchange your bribing the other person to help you. So you go up a level, but you'll trade them some of the monster's treasure or something like right. that. Or some of the things you are, like one of the items you already possess. This is a straight up fantasy Dungeons and Dragons type thing. So everyone's playing an elf or, a, you know, a fighter or a wizard or whatever. And um yeah and the around what do you say level seven or eight is where it starts getting nasty very contentious and very nasty yeah, yeah. so around there like the the one trick is there's several other sneaky ways to go up a level but for level nine to ten the winning move you have to fight a monster and defeat it um so at that point is when everyone starts using all their nastiest tricks and cards and stuff to basically backstab you and drag you down and or you know make sure someone else suddenly does something to hurt you that happened to me Yep, so Nick, this is the first time you played. What did you think? But I won. Uh, oh, that's how he's going to play it. It was great. <laughs> uh, it was really fun. Uh, no, it wasn't the first time I played it, actually. Oh, really? Yeah, no, I've played it a few times, but um, yeah, it's always fun. And uh, yeah, the best part is kind of being sneaky and saving up cards for certain sneaky attacks and kind of like, uh, you know, at the end, I just like suddenly went up a bunch of levels and then somebody yep. shot me down a couple of levels. Yep, and, that's how it goes. And the whole game has a really silly it's very cartoonish punish sense yeah. of humor a lot yeah, of puns John, uh, Kov- kovalich the guy uh, does dork tower does all the art all the art for it so it's a very goofy cartoony style uh, yeah it's it's pun heavy is ridiculous yeah it's got a very british sense of humor kind of like uh you know like the ring world books or hitchhiker's guy yeah it's like you have to wear a chicken on your head yeah um, yeah, <laughs> that level, yeah um yeah but it's yeah it's fun and it's yeah it's definitely always fun screwing over your friends yeah. and we we had a lot of fun playing we'll probably be play it again yep. and that was the first for sure episode of time to play the game oh. 
Yeah, so we're going to try to do that every once in a while. We're trying to add some more segments to the show. And, uh, yeah, so if you guys have games that you think we should play and talk about. Yeah, Munchkin is definitely one of the classics out there. I just want to throw out that there are a lot of uh, supplements for it. So one of the best things about it is you can get other themed versions of Munchkin that aren't straight we up fantasy. Play Axe Cop. Yes, like Axe Cop uh, or Conan. But you can mix all the cards together. So you can have Conan, Munchkin, Axe Cop, Space, Vampire, Cowboys. Nice. Which is amazing. Cthulhu oh. is a very popular one as well. So that's the end of the first episode of Time to Play the Game. (laughs) Time to play the game. All right, so <laughs> you guys, that's how many times Kevin played that before we started the podcast. It's true. Uh, yeah, so uh, this podcast is running along, but uh, we can do a little bit of spoiler section, right? Yeah, sure. sure. Let's yeah, just uh, throw out spoilers. We'll like just crazy. so if you don't like spoilers, all right. So oh, what are we spoiling no, here? I, I don't know. We'll figure it out. Game but of Thrones. If you don't like spoilers, just turn off the podcast now. But we're 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 just going to spoil stuff because it's something that we like to do. This is our new spoiler section called Careless Whispers. All right. Hey, uh, Hello. I don't actually have anything to spoil this week. We've got some spoilers to talk about. All right. So uh, last night, um, Greece won. One of the most exciting <laughs> parts of the World Cup. Uh, Greece was going up against uh, Cote d'Ivoire in the knockdown throwdown, where if either one of them won, if, if Ivory Coast won, Greece is out. Yeah. Or one or tied. All right. So if they tie, Greece is out. Yeah. Greece has had a somewhat shaky World Cup so far mm-hmm. in this first round. They've uh, lost they only one. Got one point. They've tied one. They've got one point. They had zero goals up to this point. <laughs> no goals whatsoever. Are we talking about the World Cup? This yeah. is not. No. no. Oh. At the end of Batman Eternal 12, Commissioner oh. Gordon's son shows up. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. No. And they're like, you're alive. And also, he looks exactly like the cop that is helping Commissioner Gordon out. And it's really confusing. Well, he's, Wait, uh, what? he's uh, also uh, Alfred, uh, Alfred's daughter. Or oh, yeah. Alfred's daughter is also in it. His daughter, uh, it's his daughter. Uh, oh. I thought it was... Uh, I thought it was really strange that Commissioner Gordon called his son James Jr. Because yeah. I feel like when you're talking to your son who is named James, you probably just call him James. Jun- yeah. Or Junior. Junior. Yeah, or Junior, but not James like Jr. Indiana, like an Indiana Jazz. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Nick, did you read anything that you want to spoil? Uh, Wolverine. Class. Wolverine? <laughs> what happened to Wolverine? Wolverine talks to death. Um, death is like, we're cool, bro. Uh, you'll, <laughs> die, you'll die soon. And he's like, all right, I'm out. I'm like, good times. Uh, you know what's also crazy is that Saga right now is after the break in the trade, this is now a story about how her parents are going to break up, which yep. is, like, making me really sad. Is it really? Yeah. I totally missed that. Uh, uh, yeah, she, she, miss says, that? she says at the end of issue 19, this is the story of how my parents break up. I didn't read that part. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, what else wow. are we spoiling? Weird. Game of Thrones? <laughs> Game of Thrones finale was great. <laughs> Careless Whispers is the best. <laughs> section so many people died. Who died? Yeah, everybody. Uh, well, uh, uh, Tywin died. Tywin died. Tywin he got died. shot in the toilet. Yep. Shay got strangled. Like he deserves. Yeah, to Tyrion die. basically killed everybody. He killed Shay. He's killing everybody up in there. Shay Butter. He killed her, and uh, <laughs> he yeah, and he killed Tywin on the toilet. And then uh, there was an amazing fight with Brienne and the, uh, hound. the, hound. the hound. Oh yeah, and the hound, the hound also hound died. Left to die. <laughs> Maybe. 
Uh, he's he's dead. I don't know. He seemed dead. He seemed he's, he's, he's on the edge of dying, but we have no problem. And some old wizard could walk by and heal him <laughs> or something. Some old wizard. Yeah, uh, Stan, Stannis uh, comes by with uh, his no, like, Saruman comes red in. lady. Yeah, that yeah. dude from, uh, oh, there were skeletons. Oh, there were skeletons. Oh, oh uh, Jojen gets killed. Oh yeah, yeah. And also gets killed. Apparently, you didn't kill a lot of people. Are, this we're getting really we're yeah. we're getting really careless with the whispers in this episode. Yeah. You guys, we warned you. Yeah. I, I loved it. I loved the finale. I loved the the skeleton fight. <laughs> I was like, this is some straight up D and D stuff. And yeah, that was ridiculous. When they went to the I was like, into the tree, and there's like little uh, fairies shooting magic missiles at skeletons. Yeah, and yep. that was really we're like, haha! I tricked you into watching a fantasy TV show. It was pretty yeah. crazy. What yeah. else are we gonna spoil? Uh... I think that's enough for our first episode of Careless Whispers. All right. Well, that's it for uh, this week's episode of the Big Planet Comics Podcast, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's about it. Send us some questions. Get in touch. Tell us what games to play. Whatever. Say hi. And we'll be back next week. Oh, yes. With more. Oh, that's where I'm <laughs> Do it again. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm not doing it again. Uh, yeah. Never good uh, I like Careless Whispers. I like time to play the game. Yeah. I like all of our news sections. Hey, guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, yeah. We're out. Yeah, we're out. Bye. Bye.